Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we bow our hearts before you this day. And I ask that you would break open your word to us, your words of life, and feed us. Give us this day our daily bread, because you are bread. Give us drink from you, because you are the living water. You are our portion, Lord. You are sustenance. You are sufficiency. And Lord, I pray, take these words that you have given me and that it would be evident that you are speaking and not I. Let me be hidden you. And I pray, Lord, that your words will find the mark, find the target in our heart, and that they will prosper in the very thing that you sent them forth to do. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may see and behold you and be transformed as we behold you. Thank you, Lord, for you are faithful to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I've chosen for a sermon text this morning, Psalm 34, verse 8. And there we find these words. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now, I have to be honest with you. I think the Lord has a sense of humor because once again, I find myself up here and what am I going to be talking about? Food. Okay, I understand that. I get that. So it, it, it conjured up in my mind, if you will, a time when I was going in a store for something. And have you ever been in those stores where they got those little food displays? Where there's a, a, a hostess or whatever and she's saying, oh, would you like to sample this food or whatever? And uh, <clears throat> it was near the end of her shift. And she had something that is becoming... It was one of my favorite words. It was, uh, she had leftovers. She asked me, do you want some of these? And I, I didn't say this out loud, but I said, lady, you come to the right person. <laughs> so I gladly saw this damsel in distress. And I did my duty and I stepped up to the plate and I accommodated her graciously so that she could go on without having to think about what to do with the food. But on a, on, a, on a different uh, level, on a different note here, I want to talk to you this morning on come to the table. And <clears throat> I was thinking Palm Sunday and I was thinking about the events that were unfolding this week and I was thinking about what I was going to speak on and then something happened at work and the Lord said, we're going to take a right turn here. And what had happened is my boss, who has moved up, my former boss, who's moved up the chain of command to a greater level of authority and responsibility, he was gone for a week. And I just figured he's going on vacation. 
or hunting or something that he likes to do. So I asked my immediate boss, who is an ex-Marine, Mr. Personality, hoorah. <laughs> and I asked him, oh, oh, where's Donnie at? And he said, how should I know? I didn't have supper with the man. I don't know details. And what seemed like an offhanded, candid, offhanded and candid comment, all of a sudden the wheel started spinning in my head. And I have been simmering on this message for several weeks. Do you know how hard it is to let food simmer and not eat it? To let food simmer and let it waft through the kitchen? How about that for some spiritual pictures? See, God knew who he picked for this occasion. I'm sorry. Food and me are still close, but it's on a different level. So anyway, I am telling you that the thoughts came to me fast and furious. I could not write them down fast enough. And I, I felt like, I wish I had had some kind of a teletype machine. I said, God, I can't even keep up. But he was gracious and I got all the thoughts. So when you see those scriptures on your, your outline there, your paper, don't be, don't be troubled. We are not going to go into depth in each and every one of those scriptures. But I put them down there for you to make a point. And so you're telling me that because of that comment... All of these scriptures flooded into your mind? That's exactly what I'm telling you. God has a way of making a point. Now that it was Him making the point. All of these scriptures that you see here have to do with mealtime. Now this is not an exhaustive list, but this, I can tell you, oh, that's... That short little list is what came to my mind. So that stretched this walking concordance, if you will, because I, it was like, man, I'm on overload here. But I believe that it is significant. And, and so at the end, and this went on, I tell you, I got those scriptures and then I went back and I started mulling over them and I went over them some more. And I said, Lord, where are you going with all this? What do you want to say? I really, really want you guys to know me. Now, I put it in capital letters and everything on there is capital letters. But in my mind, it was clear. All capital letters, all underscored exclamation point really want you to know me now I want to interject something else right here and I've made reference to it at the end when after he said that then I started crying and I was crying I'm at the workplace and I'm trying to work and I'm crying and so I said, I just asked him. I, 
I said, Lord, why am I crying? Because there are people here in this workplace who don't know me. And I want them at the same table with you. So supper time, meal time, if you will, in American culture versus biblical times or Mideastern culture are vastly different. Vastly. Now I have to be honest with you, you're talking to some guy who would eat out of a can and say, boy, that's great. I'm just fine with that. But there are a lot of things about my diet that, that were questionable. But so, uh, mealtime in the scriptures is an event with great significance. And so the very first uh, point, you, if you will, that I want to make is that eating with the Lord is not fast food. Never has, never will. In our American culture where we multitask and we are continually on the go, that doesn't fly with God. When I've never known a place in the scriptures where it said that God just gave a, mor mor a morsel and said, thank you, have a nice day and be on your way on to the next thing. It's not fast food. And so one of the things that I want to say in, in connection with mealtime is that he is our bread and he is our living water and he is our meal. And so the time that we have together with him your quiet time is valued meal time together with him. And whenever you would look at, and I would just encourage you to look at these scriptures here and see the, the, the point that he makes about the meal time. Each one of them, there was something significant with the meal time that happened there. I could go through all of them and that, that, wouldn't, even, that wouldn't even be enough time in this sermon time to do each one of them justice. And so, one of the very first thoughts that came to me was from Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man open that door, I will come in to him and I will eat with him. I will sup with him. I will eat with him. So God does carry outs. He, he, he delivers. But every, every quiet time with the Lord is an important event in the same way as mealtime. And so... 
mealtime with family, I went online and there were different websites that you could go to, but each one of them said the same thing in terms of that when people spent time together eating, there was noticeable results in their emotional behavior, their stability, and how they carried themselves versus those who didn't have a mealtime together. And that if it's not fast food, which means it's on the go, it's a sit-down meal. And that will take time. And in our culture today, we are the ones that need to make the decision to put on the brakes to take the time. And just like, and I didn't put it on your list, but I could have, in the story of Mary and Martha, where Jesus came, and Martha is busy with preparation, and Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and Martha said, Lord, don't you see what she's doing? Make her, make her help me with the preparations and all the stuff that's going on here. And you know what the Lord said to her? Martha, Martha, you're troubled about a great many things. But Mary has chosen that one good thing. And that thing, that one thing will not be taken from her. Now what I like about this is that's what the Lord said. And if the Lord said that, he's able to back that up and make that happen. It wasn't incumbent on Mary to fend off enemies or foes that would be more powerful than her. Those were the Lord's words to her. And those are the Lord's words to us. Earlier this week, <clears throat> I had a root canal done. Oh boy. And... Uh, I'm sitting fully reclined and I'm watching a TV in the ceiling and there's a commercial that comes on and in this commercial, here's what it says. We value our time together. I said, really, Lord? But it, he made the point. That's what I thought of was valuing our time. And so what kind of value do I, what kind of value do we put on our mealtime? Do we race through it to go on to the next thing? Do we receive the full blessing the Lord wants us to have from the mealtime? So let me just say this about our home group and some friends that have invited us over for supper. When we have a mealtime as home group and we go to the place uh, one of the houses and we have it there there is a spread that is put on the table good plates glasses food of assorted dishes and aside from the food there's the decor 
Aside from the decor, there is the people that gather around that table. And I see whenever we have a dinner like that, I come expecting. I have tasted and I have witnessed and I have seen and I have sensed the Lord's pleasure when we meet together. And it blesses me beyond words when I see something like laughter at the table. When I know where some of the different struggles are that these people go through and we sit down at the table and, and I get to experience and see different sides to people. Something I didn't know before. It is an event. And I sense the Lord's pleasure in our meeting together because He's the one that brought us together. And afterwards, when it's all said and done, um, I let the people know what the Lord put in my heart in terms of the people that prepared the meal and in terms of the fellowship. And then after that, I have what I like to go back and reflect upon what transpired at the next day or whatever and go back because there's always spiritual leftovers. Um, some years ago, I went through a really hard time in my life. And um, so I'll just tell you, I'll be honest with you, I went through a divorce. That's probably one of the hardest things that I ever had to face and deal with. That was like a living death. And at that time, there were two couples, the Packenhams. Actually, it was more than a couple. It was more like a tribe with the Packenhams. So there were the Packenhams and then the Racks, Dan and Ann Rack. And during that time, I, I went through some rough waters. And uh, the Packenhams invited me over pretty much every night for supper. That was a gutsy move. And you talk about multiplying the fish and the loaves. But I am saying that to make the point, they, Mr. Stomach in the body of Christ, they invited me to the table to sit down with a whole tribe of people there. And I wanted to tell you that the same thing with, with getting together with Dan and Ann. And that act of supper and what transpired communication-wise and pouring out my heart and they're pouring back into me they carried me. They carried me through that difficult place. So you can't tell me that supper time is an insignificant event, that mealtime is an insignificant event, because that's a place where I have seen where you can let your hair down, you don't have to be defensive, you don't have to put on airs, you come as you are. Whatever that looks like, And when it was all said and done with where I was at, they said, brother, you did everything that God wanted you to do. 
your conscience is clean. You did it right. Move forward. It wasn't me trying to plead a defense. But the, the, the thing of it is that through those people and that gracious act of mealtime together with them brought healing to me. And so I just want to encourage you today that when you go to the table today or before you go to the table, wherever you're at, whatever's in your heart, take a moment and when you go to the table, bring it to the table with the Lord. And so, and pour your heart out. So the next point I want to make is from Psalm 23, verse 5. And there we find these words, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He has, I want to reword it a little different than that. I, I put it in the outline. He has no problem. He is not daunted it, uh, with where he sets the table and when he sets the table and the food that he brings because he knows exactly what you need and what I need. And that word preparest. I know I'm taking a little bit of time here, but it does take time. And it makes the point that he prepares. That word prepare, he sets in array. Full preparation. It's not, you want that to go? No. He is the one who was able to do far more and above what, exceedingly what we can ask, think, or imagine. He knows how to set the table with his presence to keep the enemy at bay, to minister to your heart, to enjoy his presence. And this is equally important also. And there's another point that the Lord wanted to make very clear. Can any of you tell me how many grains of sand are in here? Now, this jar isn't even full. I could have picked a lesser jar. I could have filled the great big jar. But the Lord wanted to make this point that when he comes to the table, when he, that his thoughts 
It's impossible to put a number to the thoughts that he has towards you, towards me, towards every one of you in your seat. Now I want you to think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. Sometimes there's scriptures that I read and they go right over the top of my head. But I want you to think about it. It's all I can do with thoughts that come to my head in the course of a day. But for every person here in your seat and every person within the sound of my voice, the thoughts towards you cannot be numbered. What does that say? That should do something a little bit for your daily expectation, for your faith, and for your relationship with the Lord. He really, really wants us to know Him. And that makes a point. And you know what? That doesn't even scratch the surface. So in that one quiet time, just think about that. If I just take out a few granules, what's left in the jar for another day? And after that, for the next day, and for the next day. We need to let that get down deep in our spirit. And those words, those thoughts that he has towards us, they're not just something to pass the time. They're not just nice words. Those words, every one of those thoughts towards you, they are life transforming. In Luke 22, in Luke 22 verse 14, he tells his disciples there he desired to have this meal, the Lord's Supper. He earnestly. You can go to the next verse. But it says, uh, it says that he earnestly desired to have that meal with them. And you know, for all those thoughts, it, it became, going back to Psalm 23, verse 5 for a minute, when I, when I was getting all these thoughts, one right after the after the other, one just coming right after the other, and it suddenly dawned on me, in Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Those scriptures... He was pouring into me. And anointing me with those scriptures. And I, I, I just had to let them. I just had to. I tried to take them in. But it was like God you're filling me up. But there's so much here. I just can't take it in. But that's a good problem to have. 
So the idea with what spills over in abundance is to spill it out to those around you. And I'll have more to say about that in just a, just a minute here. So when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, let me be very clear, I'm not trying to equate mealtime with the Lord with the Lord's Supper, but they are both significant when the Lord's involved. And so, when we read John, the chapters 13 through 16, there was a lot of things that transpired in those verses and there were promises there were words of encouragement there were words of comfort when we we have we can look at those verses and at our leisure but in in one sitting in one sit at that meal jesus shared the he washed their feet he broke bread and established the new covenant and he reveals his heart to his disciples. And you could take any one of those points, any one of them, and make a separate message or something to think about with any one of them. Just consider, for example, abiding in the vine. That's just one portion of what was disclosed, what was shared, what he revealed to the disciples during the course of the Lord's Supper. There was intimacy. There was, guys, I know you're sad. I'm going to be leaving. But your sadness is going to be turned to joy. He said in that same setting, I no longer call you servants, but friends. A servant doesn't know what his master's up to. I call you friends. He, he, he tells him a little bit later, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And then he goes on a little bit later and he says, I speak these things to you that your joy, that you may have joy. So, I can just imagine in that whole setting, there's a whole gambit of emotion on display. And let me just throw this little tidbit in there. And that is about our posture, so to speak, with the Lord when we get together with Him. And that is the Apostle John. It says that the disciple whom Jesus loved, he was reclining against his chest. See, I, I believe, given what he did in establishing the new covenant, that he wants us to come with confidence, unafraid, and to be able to lean into him to lean on him, knowing, knowing that you are fully loved by him. 
Now here on this side of glory, we have physical eyes and God gives us eyes of faith to see. But I want to say this and that Jesus not only prepared the meal but he prepared us. He prepared our hearts. He fashioned for you and for me at the cross robes of righteousness. Robes of righteousness. These robes were not fashioned by Terry Steighorse sewing machine. These robes were fashioned stricken smitten and afflicted by God. That's how these robes of righteousness were fashioned for us. He paid the price. And though we can't see him with our physical eyes, I am here to tell you that when you accept his sacrifice and what he did in your behalf, he clothes you with robes of righteousness that you can come into his presence with thanksgiving, that you can come into his courts with praise, that you can come into his courts knowing that he in him are the promises of God, yes and amen, and that his love for you does not change. And in John chapter 6, there's a verse that says, all those all those who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. No loopholes. So, at work, the Lord said, it's time to take it up a notch. It's time to take this to another level. And well, I knew what he meant. What he meant was, I want you to invite people to supper, to supper at your house. So I prayed and I asked the Lord, Lord, okay, who do I ask? So you're familiar with Jenny? Her family will be coming. The other day, just the other day, I asked Lance and if he'd bring his wife that they would come and he said, yeah, we'd be honored to. And I plan on asking my, my boss that's moved up, Donnie, I plan on inviting him and his wife. Now, I don't know how it will play out, but I do know this. I'm trying the doorknob and this is a step. And I know that if I take the step, that God will be faithful to reveal the next step. He'll be faithful to give us the words to say. But it's the first step in reaching out and bringing others to the table. In this whole time, over the several weeks that I've been simmering, there is a song again, naturally, that has not left me and just a portion of the song has been playing over and over in my head. 
It's by the sidewalk, prophets, and it's called Come to the Table. Come to the table. Come to the table. And there's... Just let me finish with this, and, and, and that's... The, some time ago I spoke about Isaiah 55, and there are the words, Come, three times in one verse, and another time in another verse. Four times. And down, down where in that set of verses, it's about verse 2, there's a place where he says, why do you spend your, your money, your labor on that which does not satisfy? And I've, I've read that verse many, many, many times. But the very next verse, he goes from labor which does not satisfy to listening. So I want to encourage you, and to me, I believe it was a revelation. The labor was to listen. It's no labor in our day and age to sit there and go from task to task to task to task. Oh, and we are good at multitasking. Boy, are we good. The task at hand in our mealtime, whether it's day or night, at work, on the battlefield, wherever. To listen. To to come to the table with him and pour your heart out and let him pour his heart into you and to eat bountifully in the revelation of who he is in the revelation of his love for you and never be the same So let me leave these final words in Isaiah 57. I just love these words. And while it may not necessarily be mealtime, it's a thing that in the context of mealtime that I think are very fitting. Isaiah 57. And it's verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So when the Lord invites you as He is to come to His table, you can rest assured He's not going to say, oh, you again? No! I tell you, I, I can't just to... You know, I didn't even put the chairs out. But for Him to meet with us, at the table to sit down with us at his table that he prepares 